that. I'd like, I'd like to, to look at Psalm chapter 24, if you turn there together with me, Psalm chapter 24. And many of you are well aware of Psalm chapter 23. Psalm 24 may not be as popular as the 23rd Psalm, but that doesn't mean that it's any less powerful than the 23rd Psalm. Amen? Psalm chapter 24 and verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. For he hath founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. And then this question comes from the psalmist pen. It says, who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? That isn't a question of restriction. It's not intended to arrest our advance. It's not intended to calm our quest for reaching the high place in God. It's an invitation. And there's instruction attached. Verse 4 reads on. It says, He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is the generation of them that seek him, that seek thy face, O Jacob. I'm, I'm glad that the psalmist wrote that thousands of years ago, but it wasn't restricted to that generation. I'm glad that we can identify with that generation, say, I want to be a part of them that seek him. Is anybody just seeking God? Anyone just seeking to go a little higher? Anyone seeking to go a little further to, to develop your relationship with God deeper? Deep calls to deep. Anybody got a little bit of that hunger in their spirit tonight? I, I wish you'd just let it out for a moment. Would you just invite God to, come on, to, to, to direct us, to instruct us through the word tonight on how to come into his holy place, how to come into that, come on into that separated place, into that high place with God. Would you pray that prayer? Just make it personal. I'll lead us in a moment, but would you just begin that prayer? Just lift your voice. Let your, come on, let your voice begin to declare the ability that God has, that call that God has on your life, that that hunger that you have on the inside. Let your voice out for a moment. It's just, let's just turn it into a prayer meeting for a minute. Can we do that? Why don't we just lift both hands and say, God, help me tonight. Help me to become everything that you want me to be. God, help me to become that person that you see me becoming. God, help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. Father, I'm so, so thankful for your word. I pray that it would challenge us tonight God I ask that it would instruct us and encourage us God let it be a catalyst in our spirit that moves us closer to you we pray in Jesus name we ask and everyone said amen amen you may be seated this evening there is a reason that God repeats the request for us to be holy in scripture we live in an unholy world, and we, needed to be, we need to be reminded of the need for righteousness. The psalmist said, who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord, or who shall stand in his holy place? There's great significance in the ascent. Abraham, God called him to ascend Mount Moriah and make the sacrifice of his one and only son. We talked about on 
Sunday night a little bit how Moses was summoned up Mount Sinai. Significance of mountains and scriptures are all the way through. We can read about it. We could talk about it. But this wasn't the first time that the question was asked, who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? And maybe sometimes not even for the right reason. If you look back in scripture, one of the first failings in humanity was brought, was just over and over again, and it brought on the flood. We know Noah and the ark. We know that he built that ark, and God allows his family to be saved. But humanity had this fear of God's judgment coming again, so they decided that they would build the Tower of Babel themselves, that they would rise up in their own effort, with their own ability, by their own hand, by their own workmanship, that they would create this monument that they could rise up. As a matter of fact, Scripture says in Genesis 11, verse 4 through 9, it says, And they said, Let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven. We can ascend on our own. We can rise up into the heavens. And then it said, let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad on the face of the whole earth. And God confuses the, the nations with, uh, with this confusion of tongues. God comes down and he sees the city and the tower which the children of men builded. And the Lord said, behold, the people is one. They have all one language and this they begin to do. And now nothing will be restrained from them, which they have imagined to do. Go to, let us go down, and there confound their language that they, not, that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon all the face of the earth, and they left off to build the city. But we have this initiation of this Tower of Babel, and this Babylon uh, purpose fulfills and exhibits itself over and over again through scripture. It's men rising up in their own ability, by their own talents or giftings in opposition to God. It's men rising up. They want to ascend into that place. They want to get into the high place, but they want to get there by their own hand. And the psalmist, I think, is reminding us who can ascend. You've got, you've got some requirements before you get into that high place with God. God will work against you if you decide to get there by your own hand. That's what happened with Babel. He said, you know what? Let's just confuse them all. Let's create languages. They're, they're going to be asking for a hammer, and no one's going to understand what a marteau is. They're going to be asking for tools, and no one's going to be able to. Brother Marenzi, did I say it okay? Okay. Portmoil, a screwdriver. What? Confusion, just confusing the tongue, confusing uh, the people. And when, when confusion came amongst them, they couldn't complete the work because they couldn't work together. Uh, I'll just remind us, there's power in us working together. There, there's a reason why God calls us and summons us into this room. Well, there's, there's power in us joining together for prayer just a few moments ago. There's power in us joining together to study the word of God right here, right now. There's power that happens when we decide that prayer meeting is our priority on Friday night because there's something that happens when we gather together. There, there's a unity that comes. There's a strength that comes. And, and, and if God works against people uniting for the purpose of wickedness, then believe me, God will work for 
for us if we come together for the purpose of holiness, if we come together for the purpose of joining together and, and, and aligning ourselves with God's purpose, you want to believe that God's going to come and bring a unity. If he confounded their tongue in the Old Testament when they became wicked, how much more is God going to unite us when we become purposed in doing the will and the work of God? It's that purpose that God has for us. In Samuel, the question came again. The men of Beth Shemesh, they said, who is able to stand before this holy Lord God? And whom shall he go up with us? And, and sometimes if we're not careful through scripture, we, we see this separation that God has between himself and humanity. But the requirement is holiness. It's that we separate ourselves. It's that we design our lives in such a way that we dedicate ourselves to God. There's a purpose that God has for us to be separated. It isn't just to deny us of something. It's to separate us unto something. That desire that they had, how, how can we stand before a holy God? If you were to go back in 1 Samuel 5 and 2, it relates how the Ark of the Covenant was captured and taken. It was put in the temple of Dagon, and the following morning after the Ark of the Covenant comes into their temple, their their temple of idolatry, they find the image of Dagon lying prostrate before the ark. They set the image upright, but again on the morning following that day, they find it prostrate before the ark. This time its heads and its hands severed, lying there on the threshold of the doorway. And, and we're told that neither the priests or anyone ever steps on the threshold of the doorway of the temple of Dagon unto that day because of what God had done. The separation, uh, this powerful God, who can stand before this powerful God? And, and sometimes we enter into a season like that and we, we question ourselves, how can we ever stand before this holy God, this God with this ability, this God with this strength? And, and we echo the question that the psalmist asked, who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord or who shall stand in his holiness, holy place? And we're, we've got to remind ourselves that holiness isn't there to separate us from God. It's there to bring us unto God. That's what holiness is for. We get the idea that we can't. We get the idea that it should be easy. We get the idea that this is going to be too hard. But holiness is there. It, it's not too much. God isn't asking for too much of us. God is just asking for us to become like him. Hebrews 12, verse 14, follow peace with all men, someone say, and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. If God said it's a universal, absolute requirement, then we need to take a close look at holiness in our lives. We need to take a look. If we're going to ascend this hill, if we're going to walk up into God's presence, if we're going to get to that high place, then God says there's a requirement of holiness. Holiness. Follow peace with all men and holiness. If you read on through that scripture, he said, looking diligently lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, what did he do? Who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. And we have this example in scripture of what Esau lost and what he was willing to sell out for. And it, 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 it's a picture of ourselves because we too often are willing to sell out for the simplest thing when God is saying, no, don't sell out, separate. 
Don't, don't sell out for that small thing that your flesh desires. Don't sell out for that those few minutes that, that your flesh craves. Don't, don't sell out for those, those few things that, that you aren't willing to give up. Don't sell out for those. It's not worth it. If you'll just separate yourself, don't be like, don't be like Esau. He called him a profane person. He called him a fornicator. For one morsel of meat, sold his birthright. Now we know it was a pull of pottage, but, but he said for one morsel of meat, he sold out. And there's a reason why God calls us to separation in this world, to be holy. Men, there's a reason why scripture in 1 Timothy said, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. That our activity and our agenda for the day, sure we want to get stuff done, we're guys, we like to do that, but our, our requirement is that everywhere we go that we lift up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Who shall ascend if we've got, come on, if we've got clean hands? There's something about our lives that need to be separated I would that men would pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. And there's that call one more time that Paul reminds Timothy of. There's a holy requirement on your life, Timothy. There's a holiness that's required of you. There's a separation from the world. You don't act like the world. You don't, uh, you don't, you don't associate with the world. You're in the world, but you're not of the world. Someone say Holiness. I wish that every man in the room would, every man in the room would just lift your hands for a moment. If the Bible says to do it everywhere, why, 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 why should we pause in the middle of a service? Why wouldn't we? We may as well. Why don't we just lift both hands in his presence for a moment and thank God that he has a promise available for us, that there's, come on, there's strength for the day, there's power that God wants to release in our lives, there's, come on, there's dedication that can occur in just a moment when God releases his word. Thank you, Jesus. It's holiness. That's what it is. As a matter of fact, holiness is such a part of our identity that people call us the holiness people. People will identify us by that title. They'll associate that word with, with us. But I, I, don't wanna, I don't want us to lose that in our generation. I don't want us to, to miss what God is calling us to be. God's requirement for us is that we separate ourselves from sin and that, God, that we separate ourselves unto God. And the reason God reminds us over and over and over again in Scripture is because it's a daily fight that every one of us are engaged in. It's a daily battle that every single one of us are going to fight. And so we've got to separate. Who, who shall ascend? Someone say, I'm going to climb higher. Hebrews 12 says, verse 18, it says, For ye are not come unto the mount that might be touched, and that burned with fire, nor unto blackness and darkness and tempest, and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words. He's, he's reminding Israel of that Mount Moriah that God called Moses up into. He said, Which voice they that heard entreated that the word should not be spoken unto them anymore. They were fearful of God's voice on the mountain, and they, they, the, the fear overcame them, and they separated themselves from that. He said, for they could not endure that which was commanded. And if so much as a beast touched the mountain, if, a, you know, if any of the animals came near to the mountain, it should be stoned or thrust through with a dart. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. 
He said, he said that was what happened in the Old Testament. He said that powerful God, that holy God, who shall ascend into that hill? Who, who can go up into that Mount Moriah? Is Moses the only one that can get close to God? Is Moses the only one that can, can sense God's presence? Is Moses going to be the only man in history that experiences God's touch and voice in that manner, in that measure? That, that's what the, the writer in Hebrews, he, he's saying that that was the question that they had. He said, but you... He said, we don't have, have to be separate. We don't have to be fearful of that thing. He said, but ye are come unto Mount Zion and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable company of angels. He said, that isn't the way it is for you. In the Old Testament, there was that separation. But the New Testament, you are separated unto. In the New Testament, we get to come into God's presence because we're holy people. We can hear God's voice, and it isn't the thing that we have to separate ourselves from. We separate ourselves unto. It's that call that comes, and we aren't shying away from it, but it's an invitation to get closer to God than we've ever been before. It's an invitation. Oh, God, let me hear your voice. I'm not fearful of it. I'm not trying to separate myself. I'm not running away from it. I'm running to it. I desire you in a way that I've never desired you before. For I want him more. That's not how it is for us. We get Mount Zion. We get to be, come on, we get to be separated under the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, a numerable company of angels. That's what we get to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. That's what God said we could become. We can become holy unto God. That's who we get to be. Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant and to the sprinkling, the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. The core of of the message tonight is to emphasize that God wants us to ascend. That God desires for us to come up higher. He isn't exclusive. He's not saying Moses only. He's saying, church, come on. Let's go higher. Let's go deeper. Come on, let's get stronger than we've ever been before. Who shall ascend and who shall stand if you have clean hands and a pure heart? I believe that in this generation, for us to experience that revival that God is promising us. And I'm receiving the word of Brother Morgan. I'm receiving the word that's preached from pastor that asked for rain in the time of rain. I'm believing all of that. But it, the requirement is on us to separate ourselves unto God. God's saying that all is available for you. But you've got to separate yourself unto me to receive it. The challenge is we live in a dirty world. Our activities, our daily just interactions leave us with dirty hands. And our intentions, we're left with soiled hearts. And God is saying, the place that I want to take you will not allow either of those things to enter. That's what he said. Who shall ascend? So let me ask the question tonight. How clean is your heart? Let me reiterate how how clean are our hands. We cannot buy the lie that we can handle impurity without it impacting us spiritually. We can't do it. If Exodus 40 said that Aaron, the holy priest, the, the the garments that he wore, they had to be sanctified and separated. 
Why? So that he could minister unto God in the priest's office. Everything about us, from internal to external, has got to be anointed. We don't represent ourselves. We represent the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We are the temple of God. We're filled with the Holy Ghost. So if that picture was there in the Old Testament, it needs to be there in the New. There's a reason why God called Achan the troubler of Israel. You remember Achan? He went into Jericho and stole. What did he take? Jericho said, "Uh uh-uh. Or Joshua said, nothing in Jericho is yours. What did he say? It's all God's. It's the first fruit of the promised land. So you don't take any of it. So what what does Achan do? He goes in and says, oh, there's a little bit of silver there. I'm going to take that. There's a little wedge of gold. Oh, I'm going to grab that. There's a Babylonian, Babylonian garment. That looks, that, it boggles our mind, doesn't it? Like we think to ourselves, what in the world are you going to do with a garment that you can't wear? Like the gold, maybe you can, you know, carve a little bit off and use it for the silver. Maybe you can get away with just slipping it into your daily activity. But what are you going to do with a Babylonian, Babylonian garment? 200 shekels of silver, maybe you could just dole them out piece by piece. What do you, but you, there's a garment that you can't even wear. And the fact is, is that Achan said, he said, when I saw it, I coveted it. I longed for it. I wanted it. it was, there was something in Achan's heart that was directed in the wrong way. And the very thing that Joshua said, don't take, he took. It doesn't make sense to us. But isn't that a picture of us? Sorry, I may, I think... Maybe, maybe preaching to the wrong church. No, that's all of us. It's a universal issue. We already mentioned Babel means confusion. But if there was ever a time when clothing has become the center of confusion, it's today. And we don't need to touch down on it, but there's a reason why we've taken the stands that we've taken. There's a reason we aren't quick to write off what our elders received by revelation because it mattered. So let's get back on track. Holy hands get us to the high place in God. Our world is on high alert right now. Because of a virus that we don't have a defense for yet. COVID-19. The coronavirus. Has anybody heard of it? I read this afternoon, Colleen Kraft is an infectious disease physician and a medical microbiologist who has successfully treated patients with Ebola virus in the past in the U.S. And right now she's being called on because of her expertise and she's being asked a lot of questions about the new coronavirus. She said this, during a viral pandemic, we are often our own worst enemies. Here's our, her point. It was, I'm, I'm paraphrasing a long article. She said, point in fact, we touch our face with our hands, including our nose, our eyes, and our mouth. Areas with mucous membranes on an average of 15 to 23 times per hour. Much of the time, we don't even realize we are doing it. 
We also touched door handles, subway poles, handrails, salt shakers, other people's hands, grocery carts. We shake hands in church. I paused before I said it tonight. Shake your neighbor's hand. Wave at your neighbor. It just doesn't feel Pentecostal, does it? She said, we inhale tiny droplets that come from someone else sneezing or coughing nearby. And so we can get so concerned. And we are on high alert. We've elevated our alert level. You know, we're traveling this week, and some people, uh, the lady at Pharmasave said, aren't you scared of the coronavirus? Yes. <laughs> but she said there's good news. She said the good news is there's steps you can take to prevent yourself against the extremely low chance that you may be exposed to the coronavirus in Canada or the U.S., there's things that we can do. To, this is what she said. We can safeguard ourselves against the widespread outbreak that we are actually experiencing. But she said there's another issue that we aren't even talking about. And sometimes I think this is why the word reminds us over and over and over again about righteousness. She said, why is no, you know, in, in, I'm summarizing here, but she's, she said, why, are, why is nobody talking about the seasonal influenza that we have right now in the U.S. that's been here? 60 cases of COVID-90. This is brand new. This is just off the press today. But she said 60 cases of COVID-90 have been confirmed in the U.S. No one has died of it here. While this year's influenza has infected nearly 29 million people in the U.S. and killed about 16,000 so far. Nobody has died of COVID-90 in the States yet. But 16,000 have died from just normal influenza. The influenza that we are all comfortable with now because we've had it around for a while. The problem is, is that we get comfortable because we get, we get used to being around sin. We get used to being connected to individuals with sin. But why are we not talking more about sin? Why are we not talking more about clean hands and pure hearts? Thank you, Sam. She said the best advice, to come back to the point, here's the best advice she can give us to avoid any virus and flu. Be intentionally hygienic in public and during interactions with others. Hand hygiene is a cornerstone of infection prevention. Effective hand hygiene requires appropriate duration and thoroughness, which should be a goal each time our hands are clean. She said, for example, my family just flew from Michigan to Atlanta, and, and they asked me, what should we do on the plane? Should we wear a mask? She said, my answer was, do what you do every time. Don't touch surfaces and then touch your face. It doesn't have to be a fearful or a compulsive way. Just be aware and mindful of protect, be mindful of protecting yourself. A mask that you've never used before and wear all day long that gets damp isn't going to help you. You may touch it a lot because it's uncomfortable, lowering its effectiveness. Quite simply, good hand hygiene and face hygiene will protect you from a lot of illness, including COVID-19. Can I just read one more paragraph? Because maybe we're helping somebody in the natural tonight. She said, risk is dependent on exposure. Some people will have an increased risk of infection, such as healthcare workers caring for patients. 
general public in the U.S. likely to be exposed to the virus, immediate health risk. It's considered low at this time, but, but there's something. She said risk depend, is dependent on exposure. So my, my response to that in the supernatural is we need to be careful about our risk in this, to sin in the supernatural. We need to be conscious. We need to be aware that, that we are in the world, but we are not of the world. That we have to separate ourselves. How, how are we going to, let me tell you, the more, the higher you go on the mountain, the higher you go into the higher place, the less likely you're going to be r- exposed to the risk of sin. If risk is dependent on exposure in the natural, then risk is dependent on exposure in the supernatural. If we were only so concerned about the impact and the effect of sin. Can I remind you that sin has a 100% spiritual mortality rate? We cannot handle it without ill effect. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. He shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is the generation of them that seek him, that seek thy face, O Jacob, Selah. We can come back to the music tonight. No wonder the psalmist said, cleanse me, wash me, purge me. The closer they got to God, the more intentional they were about being purified and cleansed. Romans chapter 10, verse 5 says, For Moses describes the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth these things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise, Say not in thine heart, who shall ascend into heaven? He, he reaches back and he pulls that scripture forward. That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who shall descend into the deep? That is to bring Christ up again from the dead. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee even in thy mouth and in thine heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. The word is the response to the world at work. The Bible says that We're cleansed by the washing of water, what? By the word. We need to let the word purify us every single day. We need to let the word become a part of our routine. We need to let the word speak to us and challenge us and change us. We need to let the word do that. We need to spend time in prayer because that's where we hear his voice calling us into that place to be with him. We need the word. You say, how often are we going to talk about the word and prayer? Until. Until the great until. Until we are called, we hear his voice, and we are called from here to there. That's how long. The word is nigh thee. It's even in thy mouth and in thine heart. The word will cleanse us. The word will work for us. 
How, how can a young man cleanse his way? Let me tell you, by taking heed to the word of God. You want to know how cleansing comes? Let the word wash you. Let the word become a part of you. Let his word be, be ingested into your spirit. And then when you're not sure about which direction to take, let me tell you what's going to happen. Ding! The word's going to be reminding you, oh, we can't go that way. we got to go this way. I need pure hand. I, I need clean hands and a pure heart. I've got to do the right thing because God is calling me into that high place. I want to go higher with him. Someone say, cleanse me. Someone say, wash me. Someone say, purge me. feel the help of the Lord tonight. Aren't you so thankful that God still moves that way? I want to make heaven my home. And I want to take, we want to take all of you with us. there's a requirement that God asks of us righteousness holiness Revelation chapter 19 almost at the back of the book you can read a voice came out of the throne saying praise our God all ye his servants and ye that fear him both great and small and I heard as it were a voice of a great multitude and as the voice of many waters and as the voice of mighty thundering saying hallelujah for the Lord our God omnipotent reigneth Verse 7, let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife hath made herself ready. Someone say, that's me. And to her it was granted that she should be arrayed, what? In fine linen, clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. That separation, that cleansing, that purifying, that intentional activity of letting the word wash you, of letting his blood cover every sin. That blood that takes sin, that's red like scarlet, it makes it white like snow. That blood, that word, let it work in your life. Why? Because we need to be white and ready when he returns. I want to make heaven my home. I want to. I wonder if you'd stand together with me tonight. What if you bow your head and close your eyes? Search me.